morning, family and friends. Welcome to the SOCON Report. My name is Joseph Cohn. I'm the Director of Public Policy at Family Policy Alliance, and I'll be your host this morning. The most important election of our lifetime, end quote. That's what we've been told about the last several national elections, and it's also what we're being told about the 2024 presidential election next year. Like the federal government, most states have their elections on even-numbered years, like 2022 and 2024. But some states, like the Commonwealth states, such as Virginia or Kentucky, have their elections on even-numbered years, like 2021 or 2023. And those are what's referred to as off-year elections. Now, historically, those off-year elections have had a dramatic impact on the normal uh, even-numbered elections that follow them, the national elections. Virginia is just one of those states here in 2023 that's having an off-year election. Um, it's got huge national importance, and we have a fantastic guest with us this morning on the SOCON Report to talk to us about that race, which is coming up in just one week, and why that race has such national importance. That guest is our great friend and ally at FPA, Victoria Cobb, president of the Virginia Family Foundation, which is the State Family Policy Council in Virginia. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you for so joining us. Thanks so much for us. having me. That's so great to have you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I know our audience has uh, has been looking forward to it too. We're gonna give them some great insight on the Commonwealth and what it means for our country. So I wanna dive right into that here, Victoria, with my first question for you, which is, I want you to get, get clear with us on exactly what's at stake in these elections. What does control of both state houses, the House and the Senate in Virginia, mean for the future of pro-family policy specifically in Virginia. Yeah, so I appreciate you mentioning the off-year election. Most people don't have to pay attention to as much this year. Virginia kind of never has a year off from elections. Um, and so what's what we've got going on this year is that our entire House and our entire Senate is up for re-election. And this is really the very first election that will happen after our districts have been redistricted. So it's really an interesting time because um, sort of where you'd have incumbency and you'd have um, things where, you know, a lot of people are in the seat that they've always been in. We have a lot up for grabs here in Virginia. And so it is kind of showtime for us. We're down to this last little bit. And really what's at stake, let me lay out the landscape of where we've been and where we'd like to go. So Virginia is conservative in our statewide offices in our governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. And we've had a slight majority in our House of Delegates that is conservative. So we're 100 seats and we've had 52 to 48 in sort of overall conservative. And that, that's sort of a party label thing to Republican to Democrat, although we don't focus as much on the, the label. Um, and that's certainly not perfectly conservative, right? We, we, you know, we know not everybody that wears a label um, carries the same platform that we care about. So, um, and in the Senate, it's been exactly the opposite. Um, it's been, we have barely been a liberal majority. And so we've had, there's 40 Senate seats in Virginia and we've had 22 of them have been liberal or Democrat and 18 have been Republican. And so um, it is a very divided state. There's no getting around that and there's no way to change that right now. It's a long-term battle for the hearts and minds of Virginians. But as of right now, we are always gonna be close. So whoever takes control of our legislature, it will be by a very narrow margin. We're expecting literally possibly just hundreds of votes in a few key places will decide the control of our legislature. And then what's at stake? What are the issues? Well, everything that we tried last year got blocked in a liberal uh, Senate. And so um, we're really hoping to advance 
the issue of life. Virginia is the last holdout um, in the South that has not been able to do anything more restrictive or I would say more pro-life, more preserving of human life since Dobbs. We haven't been able to make any ground there and every state in our area sort of South of us has. And so we've actually kind of become a destination location, or they call it tourism abortion, it actually should make your stomach turn that someone, that your state, our state in Virginia could be known as a place to go to get an abortion if we don't get that squared away. And then we want to make huge ground on other issues, saving girls sports. We haven't, this is something many, many states have been able to move forward with or stopping puberty blockers for kids or parental rights issues. So there's just so many things that if we can't get conservatives in charge of the of the Senate, we don't really we really can't advance out of a subcommittee with those bills. And so that's kind of our landscape for this year. Yeah, well, thank you for that recap, Victoria. That's terrific. And obviously very high stakes, like you said. Um, so much up for grabs and you know, in the case of unborn children, there's actual lives on the line. So um, it's hard to imagine higher stakes than we saw last night in the World Series, but here we are a week away from these elections. So thanks for helping us get a sense of that. So if, if, those are the, if the stakes are this high, uh, as we know, then both parties obviously need to bring their A-game to figure out what they're going to do um, to win the hearts and minds of Virginians, as you say. So what are those main messaging lines from each of the two parties? What are they offering Virginians in the Commonwealth? Yeah, so um, as many people would expect since the midterms, um, we're seeing similar things as we saw in 2022, which is that the Democrat Party really believes that their winning message is um, that the Republicans will take away someone's right to have an abortion. Um, Honestly, I'm pro-life. I would love to see Republicans uh, bar abortion and move us to a place where we respect life. But I even think even if we got control um, with a mostly conservative House and Senate, that wouldn't actually be as far as we wouldn't be able to go as far as I'd like to go. And so it's interesting that that's kind of been their line because I don't think it's even really as accurate as I'd like it to be, if that makes sense. Um, but what, so they're doubling down on the abortion issue. That's what Democrats think is their leading issue. And it doesn't matter who the candidate is, whether they've ever had a vote on the life issue or they've ever said anything on the life issue, they're, they're sort of making that the issue. Um, Republicans, the polling shows that basically Virginians trust Republicans on the economy, on crime and on parental rights. And so the Republicans have been trying to put those things forward as the sort of number one issues to talk about. Um, it's been a challenge because of course, it's often that conservatives can't drive the narrative. Um, the media is very liberal and picks what they wanna write about and they wanna write about abortion and they wanna make this all about abortion. Um, and so that has been a challenge for the Republicans to just even cut through with any other issues although they're they're trying and they're responding on the abortion issue. Um, and so, you know, but that's kind of the, how the parties are posturing themselves in the minds of the electorate. That's helpful, I appreciate that. Now I wanna ask you about two of those issues that you did mention, so specifically just a little more on abortion. Um, you say the Democrats are obviously making that one of their prime messaging lines. How, how are the Republicans responding and, and what's the truth about the, the Democrats' position when it comes to abortion? If they're, if they're calling the Republicans extreme, they must have their own position. That's exactly right. So yes, this is the thing. Um, Democrats are trying to say, you know, Republicans would take away any right to abortion. I don't think that's actually what would happen, even, even if I believe that life should be spared. Um, but the Republicans have been answering with two messages. Um, I think one is more effective than the other. So the first message has been, 
hey, don't forget what Democrats believe about abortion, and that is that they are extremists. So the Democrat Party, we actually had a bill that would have allowed abortion up until the moment of birth for any reason. And so the Republicans are trying to remind people that's what the Democrats stand for and that taxpayers should even fund that. So abortion on demand up until the moment of birth funded by taxpayers. And that is truly um, where they voted um, and where they've sort of been behind. And so I think that's a very reasonable thing to tell the voters. Virginians don't tend to be extreme in either direction. They don't really want a full ban, which is, you know, unfortunate in my mind because we want to protect human life, but they also don't really want extremes on the other side. So this is a good message for Republicans. I think it's a winning message. Um, the other message that they've tried to put out and they've kind of collectively come together and every candidate is pretty much putting out the same message, which is, no, we believe in a 15 week line. They basically said, look, we think Virginians and the governor says it well, he says it, he kind of says, that the reality is this is the consensus where Virginia is deeply divided. This is kind of where we need to land because Virginians aren't all on board with earlier heartbeat measures and that kind of thing. But we are polling wise, we, were, we we had strong numbers around 15 weeks. So this is when a child feels pain. So all the candidates have come back and said, no, this is what we're aiming to do. And it's reasonable. And most Virginians agree with us. So that that's the secondary message. I don't think it's as effective as really pointing out the extremity of the other party, because I think um, Virginians don't haven't seen that. They don't really understand how extreme the Democrats are. And that's not where the average Virginian is. So, um, so there's kind of been two counter responses. I think one a little bit more effective than the other. That's really interesting. That's really, it's really sobering too, to know that's their position and just what's, what, what's at stake there. And obviously if their position were enacted, that would put Virginia significantly to the left of Europe. Well, and we are, I mean, here's the reality. We are a state that's deeply divided. It is going to be incredibly hard to navigate this issue no matter what when you're running for office. Um, but what's what's challenging is um, the 15 week is sort of, for some folks, it's kind of why 15 weeks, why not other weeks? You know, there's, there's a lot of messaging that has to go around that. And yes, it is actually, um, it would be an improvement on our law. And so we, we do kind of say it would save lives. It would not save as many lives as we'd like, but it would save some lives. But yeah, Europe, <laughs> we tell people, Virginia's law right now is more akin to North Korea and Vietnam and uh, China than it actually is to our neighboring states in the South, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky. Um, and so I think that's helpful for people to kind of frame that up in their minds. Um, so 15 weeks would be, you know, kind of, yeah, to the, I'd say to the left, even of a little bit of Europe. So. Yeah. It's just helpful for the average voter to know, especially the average Christian. And I know I appreciate you reminding our audience that uh, we at FPA agree with this, that life is actually yeah. a winning issue. It's done well, especially, and it should be here in, in Virginia with the, with, uh, with the polling and where Virginians are mostly at. Um, it should be a winning issue. So thank you for reminding and encouraging our audience of that. Um, I want to I want to ask you about another issue you brought up. You brought up um, uh, safety. It's been a big big issue for um, our, our for our, the Commonwealth and especially Attorney General Miares. And safety, especially co coupled with parental rights, has been a theme in Virginia in the last two years. So um, I want to ask you about parental rights specifically. Um, how is that playing into the election? And I know it's been a, a, a cornerstone of Governor Youngkin's policy. So um, how has he continued to move on on that issue leading up to this Well, election? this is absolutely the winning issue for Republicans. And it's just a matter of how much they can cut through the clutter and put that message forward. That's the message that moves swing voters in Virginia. If you're not sure which party, you don't know which candidate you stand behind, it, you can be someone who has typically voted Democrat, but you're aware that there are policies being pushed by that party right now in Virginia that are to hide information about your own child. Um, and so Republicans have been trying to put that forward. Governor Youngkin went on a 
Parents Matter tour where he was really emphasizing this um, in all sorts of locations across Virginia. I think that's incredibly important. And even one of the most recent things he did, as recent as literally this week, he just um, issued an executive order. And when you hear what this is, you're going to think, how in the world do we even need to talk about this? Um, but he issued an executive order that said, look, if kids overdose in, in at, connected to school, at school, parents have to be notified within 24 hours. Now, I hope that you're reacting like I do, which is, are you kidding me? That wouldn't have happened instantly that all people need to know if there's an overdose problem at a school. And the reason that this has come up is because our favorite county that everyone in the country knows about. If you don't know much about Virginia, you probably heard of Loudoun County because that's where the hub of the parental rights battle is. But in that county, they had nine kids overdose with fentanyl and they had to employ, you know, drastic measures. And 20 days later is when people found out about it. So imagine you've got a group of kids at a school that have been, um, you know, given fentanyl in one way or the other, and parents don't know about it. And so this is like these stunning revelations keep coming out. And it's, you know, these counties that just literally think that children should be treated in secrecy and that they, you know, we, we tell parents the moment there's a COVID outbreak, Every parent knows everything they need to know, and you know we're sent home. And but we have an overdose of nine students, and it's 20 days later. So this is still an issue. This parents being blocked out is critical. And I think if Republicans could drive that message a little harder, a little louder, and we have you know just gosh a few days left, I, I think that's that's the win. That's where parents they know we need something different. I couldn't agree agree more. That's so deeply tragic what's happening to kids there. It's tragic what's happening to them. And it's tragic that, like you said, the executive order even had to be issued to do something like that because the Constitution guarantees parents the right to direct the upbringing of their children. And that includes, you know, health care issues like an overdose. So this it, it shouldn't be that hard. I, I completely agree. And I appreciate you telling us all that. Um, thank you for recapping those two key issues for us. So I want to broaden this out a little bit. We'll inch our way out here. And I just I want to ask about funding for this election. That's been a, a big issue for social conservatives and election matters for the last couple of years around the country. So tell us about the money here. How is it being spent on this election and where is it coming from? Man, it is um, big industry is literally how a, an article wrote about it the other day. You know, that this is that this is literally like um, <laughs> numbers wise this year, bigger than like our tobacco industry, which Virginia used to be known for. <laughs> and so it's crazy just to think. So something like and the money is still flowing in. So we won't know final numbers till literally the post election reports come in. But it's been something like 80 million has been spent in our just on our house races and another about 80 million on our Senate races. So when you think about that, like in Senate, that's 40 districts, um, $80 million. Now, some of it more heavily in certain places than others. So there's really like three key Senate races that this whole thing's gonna come down to. And I would say the most important Senate district, sort of the path to the majority for both parties runs through this one district, which happens to include Latin County, um, but that, an example there, it's like an $11 million investment has been made between the two parties on this race. So it is a lot of money um, and it's coming in from all over. It is um, on the Democrat side, it is union money, Soros money, Planned Parenthood, Emily's List, um, big Dem sort of corporate donors. I mean, it is kind of 
all over the place. And on the Republican side too, it's a little less out of state money on the Republican side. The large contributor on the Republican side actually is Governor Yunkin's spirit pack. So what he's been building to try to help candidates has been very, very significant for them. But of course there are, you know, there is funding. Um, we're glad SBA, Susan B. Anthony's list has made an investment on some pro-life, um, you know, messaging in the middle of this. And there's some other folks. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's a crazy situation. And so if you're in a target district in Virginia, you are not opening the mail without 10 flyers. You are not turning on your television. You're not turning on anything digital where you're not getting some kind of ad and you've got door knockers at your door. Um, and that's just the reality of how important this control issue is because the fate of Virginia is absolutely in the hands of whoever gets control. Um, for the Republicans, they're thinking, look, we have a governor, we have a lieutenant governor, we have an attorney general. If we can just get these chambers, we can actually get some bills to Governor Yunkin. You know, he can't sign what he doesn't have. So having a conservative governor is great, but he has to be able to actually work with a legislature. And so that's the thought. And for the Democrats, they know what it was like to have all three um, branches. They had the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, House and Senate for two years in Virginia. They were very painful years for conservatives. And they turned a whole lot in the wrong direction. So they kind of know what that looks like and um, they fear that. And so they are revving up. They're not going to get the governor race this year because that's not up for grabs. But if they can get the House and Senate, they're that much closer again to going back to where they would hide things from parents, where they um, would push for what we're seeing in other states like Ohio with the abortion amendments. Um, so they know what they want and they're very focused and, and Republicans are very focused. So um, it's a lot of money. <laughs> It is. I mean, I can testify to as someone who lives in Virginia. I live in Virginia Beach, and I, I can't watch a World Series game without seeing ads for this election, which um, it's really true. There's a lot of money in here. So that should be our first indicator that there's a lot at stake here, not just for Virginia, but for the country as a whole. So I want to talk about that and why that matters to our national audience watching and listening right now around the country. Um, this is an off-year election. There are national elections next year, including for the president. Um, how does what happens in Virginia this year affect that national election scene? And what are the what are any other reasons our national audience uh, should be paying attention to what happens here in the Commonwealth? Yeah, for sure. So this off year election thing is really significant. It's kind of means that Virginia is often considered the key indicator, the early indicator, the bellwether for the following year's elections. And that has typically been the case. It's sort of, if you watch how Virginia goes, it's gonna give you an inkling of what people are thinking and how they're feeling about the country. Um, and so, uh, for example, we'll go back to 2021, where we elected our statewide um, governor and all those folks and our House of Delegates. We had a very good conservative year. We got back Virginia in the red column in the governor race. Well, then they expected a big red wave for the midterms. Now, the red wave was not what they, as big as they expected. And we can talk about the role of Dobbs and the abortion issue just coming on the scene and kind of changing the dynamics there and how people reacted and, you know, all that. But but the bottom line is everybody knew it was sort of like trending red. Um, and so it was sort of like the red to lose. And so that's what we want. That's the message we want to send is, look, we, we care about these values issues. We want Virginia to come in strong. And then we hope that that sets a tone for next year, which is, of course, the presidential elections um, and, of course, all the other seats that are up. Um, so we want it to send a strong message. People are looking at it. And they're also so there was a, they're also looking at it as how this abortion issue plays in races. So I saw an article that basically said Republicans may have come up with a new strategy on the abortion issue in Virginia. And we'll see like kind of how it would be if it works here, it might work 
somewhere else next year. So they're evaluating this idea that we're going to double down on the 15 weeks. They're evaluating whether the extreme, you know, pointing out the extreme nature of what Democrats want is working. So people are literally looking not just at the what's the total outcome for Virginia, but also what strategies have been employed on these key issues that are now top of mind for voters. I mean, for years and years, I could say abortion might have been the most important issue to me, but that wasn't necessarily the case for a majority of voters. But that has really it has become a top three issue for a lot of folks, just given um, well, really given a lot of the money that's being put in by the abortion industry to make it a top issue um, and so forth. So all that to say, it's being watched closely. And I think folks are also just tangentially watching what happens on this relative to Governor Yunkin. He's certainly been, um, you know, sort of noted as at some point he could run for governor. And if something changes in this, in, even in this presidential prime, I mean, run for governor, could run for president. And even if something changes in this presidential primary, could he come in very, very late and save the day? You know, those conversations are still happening. So they're kind of looking at him. They know he's on the campaign trail for all these candidates. He has been everywhere. Um, he, I, I jokingly said there's a rally in Virginia about every three, four hours somewhere and has been for weeks. And it's the governor is just on a bus tour. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to rev everybody up, get them excited, get them to care about these issues, get them out to vote. So he's working really hard. So there's a little bit of an evaluation of can he continue what he started and what does that mean for his future and what does that mean sort of nationally? So there's a lot of things to kind of watch here. Um, and we just hope we send the right messages. <laughs> Boy, so much that, that's at stake here, not just for Virginia, but for, for around the country. It's it's a bellwether. It's a temperature check. So thank you for helping us understand that. Uh, your expertise, I know, is appreciated by my team and by our audience. So thank you for that. And that's why my, my last question is I want you to tell us about what, what is the Family Foundation doing in this election cycle? For those watching, you should know the Family Foundation is the State Family Policy Council in, in Virginia. They're in Richmond in the state capitol all the time working on behalf of uh, family issues and for pro-family policy like our other 40-plus state family policy councils. So, Victoria, what are you guys up to with this election cycle, and how are you going to respond depending on what outcomes Yeah, so get. I'll just kind of share with, with your folks what we've been doing. So um, we have two organizations, the Family Foundation and the Family Foundation Action. So Action can do things that are a little bit more election focused. Um, and so it's really a wide variety of things. I mean, on the basic level, we're running, for example, public service announcements all over uh, Christian Radio. Just say, hey, wake up. There's an election. Make sure you go vote. Here's where you get your absentee ballot. Turn it in. You know, so we're running those kind of things on, on radio um, in sort of the nonpartisan, just get conservatives and Christians out to vote. Um, and then, of course, in that same vein of just we want voters to have the best information, we create voter guides. And so, um, you know, we have a voter guide available that you can get on our website. You know, just type in your zip code and you can find out all your candidates. And this is actually really important because all of our districts change. So people are a little unsure, like, am I still voting at the same place? And I want to make sure I understand which delegate and Senate race I'm voting for. So it's, it's been a little bit of a information um, education process, but then it kind of lays out, here's the two candidates in, let's say your House of Delegates vote. I know we call it a weird thing. Most other people in the country call it House of Representatives. Ours is called House of Delegates. We're old school there, but um, you, you kind of look, you line them up and our voter guides will say, this is where they, they believe on life, marriage, uh, parental rights, school choice, things that just matter to 
um, Christians in particular. And so we kind of lay that out and that gives somebody a chance to do a side-by-side -side comparison. And that's done either with a voting record. Um, we survey all the candidates. So if they answer our survey, if they carry a, a party platform and they aren't answering the survey, we'll look at the party platform. Look, this is who you're standing with. You're not distinguishing yourself by filling out a survey. So here's what the party platform is. So this is what you should expect this person to do. So those are really informative. And then on the more political side, the more, hey, let's actually motivate voters to get out and vote uh, in the direction of conservative candidates. The Family Foundation Action has a whole strategy. It's been working for about a year. Um, we really zeroed in on these are the couple of districts that are going to make or break control of the House and Senate. And we've been moving voters in that direction. And that is done by thousands, tens of thousands of doors knocked. So I think we're heading in the direction of 40 to 50,000 doors knocked. Um, and that we do through our own team. We hire some paid canvassers. We get a bunch of volunteers. We partner with other organizations like Students for Life. And there's a group called City Elders that we partner with. So we partner and we kind of run these weekend deployments where big numbers of volunteers dispatch into a district and just you know inform folks at the door. So we're doing a lot of that. And then it's also done through direct text to the voters. So we literally look at publicly available voter information. How often do these people vote? Um, do they ever vote in one party or the other's primary? And so we kind of assess what kind of a voter do we think this person is? And let's try to make sure that if they're if they seem like a person who might be somebody who consistently probably votes our direction, but maybe they don't consistently vote. This isn't the governor race. This isn't a president. So we have to remind people how important these lower sort of second tier kinds of races are. And we also have counties across Virginia that have board of supervisor. That's our governance structure in a locality and school board races and school boards are hot, as you know. And so we're really kind of saying, hey, guys, don't think of, oh, next year I'll vote for the president, because, of course, that captures a lot of news. It's not like that doesn't matter, but this year matters a lot. And so we're out there at the doors telling folks to vote. So we're kind of in our final push ourselves of just where are folks that maybe got an absentee ballot. We actually can kind of look and see who ordered an absentee ballot. Let's get those turned in so we can kind of chase conservative votes that way. So um, it's a lot of work. Um, we're thrilled to have a really amazing team that's been been on this. And um, we're just praying that, you know, that the fruit of the labor will be seen. And we don't know what God has in store and we know he's in control and um, we will, you know, weather whatever storm comes. But we'd love to see an era of Virginia where we can start passing laws that we believe um, just start to restore righteousness and, and the value of human life back into our commonwealth. We've been in some rough years. And so we'd love to continue this trend. And that's what we're, you know, what we've been out doing and we'll keep doing until election day and, and until the, the numbers come in. And then we have one exciting thing, if there's any Virginians that are uh, part of this viewing audience. Um, on election night, we'll be hosting an election Zoom called Battleground um, at Virginia Votes 2023. And we will be basically offering an opportunity for folks um, to basically kind of hear from the experts as the votes are coming in. So this is, you know, you typically you watch the news, you know, on election night if you're interested and you'll get a ticker tape across the bottom of just your local areas races, you know, oh, you know, the couple that are around you. Well, those might not be the ones that matter the most, right? So you might go over to the board of elections if you're really savvy and kind of policy wonky-ish and you might kind of look at the votes. So then you go and you look at some random county you don't know and you go, okay, well, there's only 60% in. Well, which 60% is that and does it matter? We're gonna have folks that are going to walk you guys through that and that gives people a real better insight on what they're actually like a better interpretation of what you're seeing so that's kind of a fun opportunity if folks are i mean you could anybody in the country could join i just you know but i, I particularly the virginians might have um 
a lot of interest in that. So you can you can access that by going to our website at familyfoundation.org and sign up for something like that as well. Absolutely. I'm personally interested in, in watching that. I know I'm looking forward to it. And I mean, you have such a robust operation from top to bottom, Victoria, it sounds like from school board level all the way up to House of Delegates. And this lifelong proud Virginian is thankful to you for all your work, but you're absolutely right that God is in control. He has good things in store for the Commonwealth. So for those of our national audience, everyone who's listening and watching, pray with us for the future of Virginia and the future of families here and for Victoria and her team. Virginia is a 400-year-old jurisdiction. It predates the country, so it has an appropriate impact for a jurisdiction that old, and we invite you to pay attention to what happens next week with us and to pray with us. So. Victoria, you've given us such a great breakdown and preview of this. Thank you so much for doing that for our audience. Thank you for joining us here. And to our audience, we just want to thank you for being a part of this. Um, we thank you for joining us this morning on the SOCON Report. We're here every week. So thank you for joining us. Be in prayer for Virginia. We will be back with you next week. Have a great day. Brought to you by Family Policy Alliance. Our vision is a nation where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished.